Welcome to the Three Martini Lunch. Grab a stool next to Greg Corumbus of Radio America and Jim Garrity of National Review. Three Martinis coming up. So glad you are with us for the Friday edition of the Three Martini Lunch. Your stool is ready. We have good, bad, and crazy martinis for conservatives to wind up the work week here. And Jim, our good martini deals with China. And it's nothing the Chinese have actually done. It's that the American people are seeing through the efforts of China, of way too many in the media, and some in the Democratic Party, which we'll talk about in just a moment, uh, to paint China as the good guy. Because, of course, anyone Trump is criticizing is automatically the good guy in the eyes of some of these people. But according to the Pew Research Center, Americans' unfavorable reviews of China are skyrocketing here because uh, as recently as just a few years ago, it was essentially even. Now, 73% of Americans have an unfavorable view of China. Only 22% have a favorable view. And perhaps most significantly, around three quarters of Americans, 78% place a great deal or fair amount of the blame for the global spread of the coronavirus on the Chinese government's initial handling of the COVID-19 outbreak in Wuhan. Now, when you break this down a little further, um, Republicans blame China for that a lot more than uh, the Democrats do. But uh, overall, the negatives on China are skyrocketing, which means the PR offensive is not working, even though Dianne Feinstein is still a big part of it. As she just said in a hearing this week, we hold China as a potential trading partner as a country that has pulled tens of millions of people out of poverty in a short period of time and this is my favorite part, and as a country growing into a respectable nation amongst other nations. I deeply believe that, she said. So, Jim, Dianne Feinstein, uh, thankfully, appears to be in a distinct minority here. The American people seeing through the smokescreen. Yeah, and look, first of all, Dianne Feinstein is really getting up there in years, even by the standards of youngsters like Joe Biden and Bernie Sanders and uh, (laughs) Donald Trump and Mitch McConnell. And there have been numerous times the last couple of years where Feinstein has either, you know, contradicted herself and insisted she hadn't said something that she'd actually said 24 hours later, earlier. I, I kind of think this is time for Diane Feinstein to hang it up. When she says it's getting into a respectable, growing into a respectable nation, they're the second largest economy in the world. They see themselves as a rival to superpower status. Growing into what? <laughs> you know, like what? Where? How much more growing does she think they have to do? Um, and you can take your pick on this. You can point to the treatment of Hong Kong. You can point to the concentration camps of Uyghurs. You can point to their aggressive aggression in the South China Sea. You can point to the human rights record, trade. You name it. There's a whole lot to criticize about the Chinese. And yet, since the pandemic has begun. There are people who seem to discuss, who, who seem to view any serious discussion of the Chinese government's culpability, their attempt to downplay the risk, their insistence that it could not be transmitted from person to person for at least three weeks and possibly as much as six weeks, how much they were allowing their, their citizens to leave to other countries when there was a chance that they were infected. Um, it's, you know, I, I am heartened by these poll results, and I'm deeply disturbed by the number of people who seem to believe any discussion of China's responsibility is de facto an attempt to get Trump off the hook. Look, the Trump administration made a bunch of mistakes during the course of this pandemic. Numerous governors made mistakes during the course of this pandemic. Numerous local governments have made mistakes over the course of this pandemic. There's plenty of blame to go around. But when you're looking at when did we have a chance to keep this genie from getting out of the bottle? When do we have this chance to stop this from turning into the global crisis that it is 
almost all of it involves China. By the time it was outside China, it was spreading too rapidly and there just wasn't any chance of being able to put in an effective quarantine. That is you know, uh, probably the most exciting bit of news of the week for me has been this op-ed that ran in the Wall Street Journal by Jamie Metzl. Um, it would take a long time to go through Jamie Metzl's entire uh, uh, resume. The short version is just he is a, the walking embodiment of the Democratic Party's foreign policy establishment. Not a hard left guy, but he worked on the Senate Foreign Relations Committee under Biden, all kinds of think tanks, um, ran for Congress as a Democrat way back in 2004. The point is, this is not a Trump guy. This is not a right winger. And this is not some nutty conspiracy theorist. This is the establishment. And he writes this op-ed where he basically says something very similar to which I've been saying for, you know, probably since like, oh, April, May or so, um, pointing out that, come on, you've got two facilities in the city of Wuhan that are researching coronaviruses in bats. And then out of nowhere, this, this novel coronavirus that originated in bats <laughs> has an outbreak there. And he basically says, look, if this was a, you know, this, if this was some outbreak because of nature, that if this was uh, from some bats in some cave on the other side of China, we would have seen more cases of it before we saw the outbreak in Wuhan. Look at the Occam's razor. The simplest explanation is the one that is most likely. And it's interesting on his website, uh, Metzl made the argument, like, he got, said he got a lot of pushback from this, from a whole bunch of folks who really seem to think that by discussing this openly, he was making excuses for the Trump administration or something. We, we have to be able to walk and chew gum at the same time, people. We, we need to be able to do this. And the fact that the American people, look, Trump's poll numbers are not terrific by any stretch of the imagination, but large swaths of the American people can say, yes, I'm mad at Trump for what he got wrong. And I'm also very mad at China for what they did and their dishonesty in this. Thankfully, people are seeing this clearly. And I think it's kind of interesting, the great mass of the American people are able to keep these two ideas in their heads simultaneously much more than our alleged Washington elites and, and much people who are allegedly much smarter than the average Joe are not understanding this as well as the average Joe does. Doesn't uh, help their narrative, I guess. Uh, the Pew has uh, favorable, unfavorable numbers on China going back to 2005. Uh, in the second Bush administration, it was plus 23 at one point, 52 to 29. Uh, and so now that they're underwater by 51 points, that is by far the most negative uh, reviews of China by the American people, at least in the last 15 years. All right, let's move on to our bad martini now. And if you need to take a shower after this second martini, I'm not going to be surprised one iota here. Jim, how are we saying her name now? Is it Ghislaine Maxwell or Jelaine Maxwell? I don't remember how exactly we're supposed to pronounce that. but Greg, all my references use a word I'm not supposed to use in this podcast. <laughs> yes, and the more you learn her. about it. Yes, the more you learn about her, uh, the, the more disgusted you should be by her specifically, in addition, of course, to Jeffrey Epstein. She was uh, essentially Jeffrey Epstein's madam. She had girls recruiting other underage girls. And now, of course, she is facing federal charges. And so more information about this case is being released. And a deposition of Virginia Roberts, whose name has now changed to Virginia Jouffre or something like that, uh, is out. She has done many interviews. That's the person that Amy Robach interviewed and ABC spiked for years. Uh, and so she was uh, talking very openly to prosecutors here, Jim. Uh, she's talking about how Epstein and Maxwell had underage girls around them all the time. And yes, there was constant sexual activity involving both of them on an almost constant basis. She also talked about the people that she said were on the island with her and who she was required to have relations with. Uh, Prince Andrew, Alan Dershowitz, who of course strongly denies it. 
And yes, Bill Clinton. She didn't say she had relations with Bill Clinton, but she said that he was there on the island. And so there's going to be much more a talk about this, Jim, about them and other people uh, who were there. There was an MIT scientist as well. What we're also seeing here is that Virginia had tried constantly, I mean, obviously going all the way back to the federal investigation in uh, the 2000s, but also uh, with the FBI in 2011, 2014, the photo now that a lot of folks have seen with her and Prince Andrew, she gave that to the FBI in 2011, nothing happened. Uh, She also was in contact with multiple FBI agents in 2014, and she can provide plenty of emails to them, but not much in response to her, which suggests the FBI didn't have much interest in this case and what was happening to underage girls here, Jim. So this is uh, getting extraordinarily ugly. And what do you make of the latest? Well, in addition to everything you laid out there, Greg, uh, I, you know, my eyes kind of popped up a little bit this morning when there is a tweet from Alan Dershowitz. I just want to point out Alan Dershowitz as the you know, famous criminal defense lawyer has not been my favorite person for a long time. In fact, I've generally disagreed pretty strongly with him. He was for a long time considered a, a man of the left, a Democrat defender of Bill Clinton back during impeachment. He has taken a stance of stronger defense of Trump, particularly during the impeachment that uh, you know sh- shocked a lot of his traditional friends and allies. Uh, I got to do with him. I've never liked Alan Dershowitz. Alan Dershowitz is one of the folks who was mentioned as a friend and associate of Jeffrey Epstein, who may have been involved in some illegal shenanigans at his compound, etc. Alan Dershowitz vehemently denies all these accusations and insists that, you know, he will be fully exonerated, etc., etc. He put out a tweet this morning that said, I demanded release of all documents because they contain emails and manuscripts proving in Goofer's own words that she never met me. This is the woman who accused her. I knew they would repeat her false accusations against me, Alan, Tipper Gore, and others, which her own lawyers admit are wrong. Greg, had you ever heard Alan Tipper Gore mentioned in the context of, of uh, Epstein? Not until these documents. I, and I didn't right? See I mean, that all of a wait, I'm sorry. What did you, who did you just say? Uh, we may, you know, listeners may recall that Alan Tipper Gore divorced a few years back. We'd heard about Bill Clinton a great deal in the quote unquote Lolita Express and the idea the number of times Bill Clinton had traveled on Epstein's plane and every, you know, Bill Clinton put out that statement, oh, I barely knew the guy despite all those times I was on this plane. And, and our, our rather skepticism of this, as far as I could tell, Bill Clinton has never been subjected to a tough interview about exactly what his uh, relationship was and dealings were. When you're a former president, I guess you just never, you never have to do those interviews. And thus you just leave those, those accusations, just lie out there. But Al Gore, Tipper Gore, as one of my friends said this morning, I'm guessing Tipper Gore went to that island just to make sure no one was listening to inappropriate music. <laughs> Look, it's possible Alan Tipper Gore have nothing to do with this, but I just got to, my eyes just popped out when I saw that reference because, you know, and here's, I made this comment yesterday and there were were a handful of people who didn't like it. The vast majority of people understood what I was getting at. Uh, If you listen to this podcast, you're probably not uh, going deep diving into the the QAnon conspiracy theories. At least I hope you aren't. Look, these, these people really are cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. I don't think there's a... Uh, uh, that there's, there's much of it there, there, they go crazy in their conspiracy theories. But let's make an observation. Jeffrey Epstein, Harvey Weinstein, R. Kelly, that crazy, I can't pronounce it, so I'll just spell the NXIVM that had the actress from Smallville that was recruiting girls into these uh, abusive cult-like uh, groups. 
look, it is not exactly unthinkable that lots of people would then choose, you know, having heard all these horrible stories about these really shocking, jaw-dropping tales of secret abuse by people who are rich and powerful and famous, that people would choose to believe that rich and famous and powerful people who they already don't like are involved in some sort of evil, nefarious sexual criminal ring. And again, this you know, the, the existence of one situation of abuse does not prove another. I am glad that this investigation of Maxwell is proceeding apace. I have a feeling we have not heard the last of this. Um, but for people who have had a conspiratorial mindset, uh, you know, it's because some, so I, I made that statement. A couple of people said, no, you don't have to give QAnon credit for it. No, I, I didn't give QAnon credit for anything. All I said was in light of real life, actual sexual abuse and, and you know, uh, you know, circumstances like this, I can understand why people believe that more of these things exist. These are not as unthinkable. Whereas maybe 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, you would have said, oh, good heavens. You know, they would never be involved with something like that. I, I hope this proceeds apace. I, I, my sneaking suspicion is that there will be more revelations. Um, and it does indicate that perhaps there is a deep-rooted moral rot at the top of our society that needs to be cleansed and cleared out before we can ever get to... Uh, be the kind of society we're supposed to be. Jim, this is not just an excuse to bring up Disney CTU, but honestly, what was the FBI doing during those years? They clearly weren't uh, taking threats about the Zarnayoff brothers seriously. They weren't interested in uh, threats that the uh, Pulse nightclub shooter wanted to blow up Disney. Other threats that they gave cursory look to around that time, and now no interest in Jeffrey Epstein, maybe because the case had already been adjudicated in some ways a, a decade earlier, but, but still, I mean, the idea that he was running this massive uh, sex trafficking operation should be of some interest to federal authorities, but once again, they uh, got distracted by something else, I guess. It is inexcusable. I'll only add one note of explanation. My suspicion is, is that post 9-11, you were probably getting, hey, I saw a guy who, looked, who I thought was Muhammad Atta, you know, coming here, coming here the other day, and he said he was going to blow something up. My guess is you get a lot of uh, crazy chatter, false accusations, uh, you know, guys who are nutty, guys who have a grudge against somebody and want to get them in, in trouble with the cops. My guess is you're, 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 you know, whenever the police want information about tips about a potential terror attack, you got to sort through a lot of chaff before you can get to the wheat. Uh, and my guess is but anytime there's some sort of sex abuse scandal, you're probably going to get a lot of folks. The other thing, which was an observation during the whole Me Too uh, uh, you know, uprising or however you want to characterize that from a few years ago. There was an observation that sometimes people who are predatory will seek out those who are already having, let's say, mental instability or some sort of issues. And then they will do their predatory things and this person already has a reputation for being a bit nutty or something like that. Or there's other reasons people would not you know, uh, put much credibility in their accusations. So I don't know if that was what does it work in this case, but I, and I think it's, and I think you're right. I think there's no two ways to, about it. The FBI has you know st fell down on the job on a whole variety of really important issues that are basically the purpose of their existence. With that in mind, you know I suspect the job is tough, and there's probably a lot of inaccurate accusations you have to sort through before you can find the ones that lead to actual crimes. Let's move to something else for our crazy martini here, Jim. Uh, there's no way to get around having stupid people in our society, but uh, it's becoming frustratingly common now for the stupid people to win, and that's not a good thing for any of us. Latest example comes to us from Michigan. Uh, this is from the Daily Caller. The owners of a Michigan bed and breakfast have removed the Norwegian flag from their property after several people in town mistook it for the Confederate flag. 
Greg and Kirsten Offenbecker have been flying the Norwegian flag next to the American flag at their inn, the Nordic Pineapple, for two years to honor Kirsten's heritage, the Lansing State Journal reported. This is in St. John's, Michigan, which is a little bit north of Lansing. They decided to remove the flag last week after getting hateful emails and comments from people who thought it was a Confederate flag. This is a couple where the husband, Greg, served in the Navy during Desert Storm and the couple has two adopted black children. Jim, for those who don't know, although I'm guessing most do, the Norwegian flag, just like every other Scandinavian flag, is a cross of multicolors. Uh, it, uh, it shows the cross is blue with a white border and then the, the rest of the flag is red. For anybody who's got a modicum of common sense, they know the Confederate flag has diagonal bars with stars on them, hence the stars and bars, and I'm not really sure you can help a lot of people who can't tell them apart. So the sad part, of course, is that these people who did nothing wrong are forced to take down the flag, except on special occasions now. And the people who know nothing end up getting what they want. So my first question, Greg, do they have pineapples in Nordic countries? You got a hotel, so, you're calling it the know. Nordic pineapple? Is it kind of like the tropical igloo? I'm just kind of left. <laughs> I get that. But anyway, fine. Yes. So I'm reminded of the example. I want to say it was out in Arizona or someplace like that, where there was some sort of bar. I think it was an Irish bar. And they had a picture of coal miners on the wall. And the coal miners had a lot of soot on their faces. And there was, you know, I think it was probably from back in Ireland or someplace or somewhere over in England. And the whole gist was, hey, you know, coal miners. But somebody looked at that and basically had this... Uh, uh, vibe of, hey, that reminds me of blackface. It offends me, therefore you should take it down. And the you know, restaurant heard the complaint and said, um, no, no, that, that's a picture of minors. And this you know, guy wrote a whole op-ed, I want to say in the Arizona Republic or something like that, that basically took this rather vehement uh, stance that this restaurant had disrespected him and not take, because they had this infuriating... Uh, uh, stance of saying, well, no, that's not a picture of blackface. There's nothing offensive about it. We're not going to take it down. You, you don't have to like it. And you, you, you know, we'd hate to see you go as a customer, but we're not taking the picture down just because it offends you, particularly because it's not blackface. It's a picture of some miners who have been down mining in, you know, coal or something like that. I think it's your responsibility to understand what you're looking at. I think that's on you. I think if it reminds you of something else that is different, that offends you, well, that's, that's on you. That means the issue is in your head. Could some one flag or another be mistaken for the, the stars and bars? I suppose. But once you're told, mm, no, that's the Norwegian flag, unless you have some sort of vehement anti-Norwegian stance, you, you basically have to say, oh, okay, my mistake, I'm bad. That thing's fine. I'll go off and, and not worry about this so much. Unless you've got some like vehemently anti-Norwegian stance, you really don't have a legit gripe uh, against, uh, against the Norwegian. And that's where we are. That's, uh, they, you know, that's the situation. That, this, this is what should come to pass. Um, maybe in the similar vein, uh, Greg, I don't know if you saw the news, Trader Joe's, yes. which is where my wife does the vast majority of our grocery shopping and everything in my house is Trader Joe's, which means starting in about September, every item in my kitchen is pumpkin spice in one form or another. <laughs> <laughs> um, the pumpkin spice braised beef is a little unusual, but anyway, so you get the idea there. And you know, Trader Joe's has its you know this the shtick is that Trader Joe goes around the world to get you the the best groceries he can possibly. So the Italian stuff is Trader Giotto's 
Uh, the Mexican stuff is Trader Jose's, and I think there's some other, um, you know, Trader, so, you know, variation of Joe. And the, the low, you know, the packaging has, you know, little dancing sombreros or something like that, or, you know, the Leaning Tower of Pisa for the Italian stuff. Okay. Now, you can like it, you can not like it. The food is perfectly fine. And somebody said, hey, that sort of labeling is racially and ethnically insensitive and must stop. And Trader Joe's, apparently, initially, there was some sort of an understanding that, well, because of this, you know, uh, petition demanding they rename that, Trader Joe's is going to, you know, take these products off the shelves. And in the last couple of days, they have said, mm, no, no, they're not. We, you know, we have yet to encounter anyone who's actually offensive by this. We, we sell our products based on whether people buy them and whether people uh, think they're good and, and, you know, like the product. Everyone seems to like these things. We, this is the first we're hearing about the complaint. Uh, we're, we're keeping them. And so, you know, an interesting, there hasn't been this, you know, well, well, we're, we're boycotting Trader Joe's. We, there hasn't been this, you know. And so it kind of is a good role model to other companies. When some ninny starts a petition, you don't have to give them what they want. <laughs> you don't have to say, oh my goodness, I'm terrified, and, and run away and, uh, and, you know, change everything you do. So hopefully this is the beginning of a turning point. Hopefully some companies have kind of said, all right, I'm getting completely exhausted with this. We're, we're tired of this. You know, just the fact, you know, um, you know the, the, the packagings are, our, our packaging is not offensive. We're not going to let one person who's, you know, hypersensitive change it for everybody else. And that's, you know, hopefully uh, there's the, the wave of wokeism is receding as more and more companies recognize we're not completely changing everything we're doing just because one random person on the internet decided to get offended. Yes. Sorry to the Offenbeckers. Uh, I should point out, though, since we always talk about how I'm Greek, Greek from the dad's side, my grandfather on the other side was actually born in Norway. So I am part Norwegian, Jim. And I will ah, say, well, there and you I, go. And I will say this. So, of course, I'm deeply offended by this. Um, eat the dinner with the Greek food and then have Scandinavian dessert along with the Greek dessert. The actual entrees, you're definitely going to get a better, better deal from the Greeks. But, <laughs> but Danish and the pastries, absolutely. Uh, uh, make sure you get some of that from the Scandinavians because they do know I would what say not into the lutefisk and all that kind of stuff? No, not at all. Not at all. But uh, still, the flag's fine. So good luck to the bed and breakfast there. Jim, let's pause the insanity till at least Monday. See you then. See you Monday, Greg. Jim Garrity, National Review. I'm Greg Corumbus of Radio America. Thanks for being with us today. Please subscribe to the Three Martini Lunch. Leave us a kind review with five stars. Get us on those government surveillance devices. All you have to say is play Three Martini Lunch podcast. Have a great weekend, and please join us on Monday for the next Three Martini Lunch.